Everybody, welcome to my live Q&A here on IG. And for those who's watching on YouTube, thank you for watching the replay there. Um, those who's watching on uh, Instagram, I want to say thank you so much uh, for coming in. As everyone's come in, man, go ahead and like and all that stuff and get your questions ready because I'm excited to serve you all. What's up, bro? Got people coming in right now as we speak. If you're watching on YouTube, man, I just finished a great video. Just finished the video. Go to my uploads. Just did a video on what to do when God says no or how to view God's no. And so check that video out, man. And as you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you check out the links in the description box below for opportunities, whether it's for coaching, whether it's for card games, books, um, ways to support what I do here online. Check the description box below. Those who's watching on Instagram later, as everyone is coming in, make sure you go to my, the link in my bio. There's a lot of links there, links for coaching. If you want time with one-on-one -on -one with me, or if you want to uh, uh, support what I do and you want books and card games, all that good stuff, go to the links in my description box or in my uh, bio. Look forward to serving y'all. So here on IG, man. I just want to serve you all. If you have any questions, I won't be on here for too long, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I just want to um, answer a few people's questions. Um, I like the vibes here on Instagram, seeing people face to face, all that good stuff. And so I know it's kind of later than normal, but I'm going to give you all an opportunity to come on in. And But like I said, on YouTube, we just did a video on how to handle God's no. The full response that God usually gives to our prayer request is now. No, because I have something better, not yet, or he says nothing. And it's important for us to know how to handle each. So if you want to know how to handle when God says no, make sure you check out my YouTube channel. Type in Joshua Ezzy, man, and check out that video on what God says no. Man, who's this talk from me? I missed Briarwood days, man. These, some of my students are watching online on Instagram. They uh, Students that I served back when I was working at elementary school. Yeah, Briarwood was fun, man. I miss y'all too. So who has some questions, you can join me face-to-face. -face. You can hit the video button and we can and we can chop it up face-to-face. -face. Or you can submit your questions in the chat there or in a little question, little icon. Now, I don't know how it looks to y'all, but that's just what it is. All right, so Lady M.O. says, what must some uh, prayer requests take? Why must some prayer requests take like 10 years? At that point, you, you're you even okay if you don't get it. Uh, great question. Well, Oftentimes, the reason why things are delayed is either because it's not God's timing or it's delayed because we're not ready, right? And only God from his vantage point knows whether or not a person is ready for what they're asking for. So oftentimes, it takes longer because we're not longing to get ready or it's longer because it's just not God's timing. And so unfortunately, um, uh, we forget about what James says that many people ask, but they ask amiss. Or they ask wrongly because they, the whole purpose of them asking that thing from God is to consume of with his own, with their own passions. That's why I say before you ask God, acknowledge your heart, examine your heart, audit your heart. Do I genuinely want this thing for the sole purpose of glorifying God with it? Or do I want this thing solely because I want glory from it or I want to have what I have? And most people are not honest enough with God because of the false teachings in our world today that makes God or likens God to a vending machine or likens God to Santa or likens God to Big Mama. That God, God is going to give you whatever he, that you ask. And we, we forget that God uh, uh, measures things based upon prudence. And what I talked about in the video is that God has said a lot of yeses. God said yes for you to breathe today. That's a blessing. So most of the time we, 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 we base God's faithfulness based upon how often he says yes to the big things versus assessing how many times God has said yes in the little things. And when we understand that our hearts play a part for what we petitioning for, then we will say, you know, let me examine my heart to make sure 
that I'm not just trying to manipulate God. That's why I said in the video, tears don't move God. Ignoring God, mood swings don't move God. You know how some girls or some guys, they'll be all uh, trying to act all mad and try to manipulate. God said, man, you can't manipulate the omniscient one. I know your heart. And so some things take longer, my friend, because it's just not God's timing, or it takes longer because our hearts are not even longing to, to make sure that we're prepared for. Hope to help. Uh, KLJ Dream Factory Incorporated says, how do you know? Oh, I can just put it right here. All right, here we go. How do you know God is confirming his word and things in my season? All right, good question. How do you know God is confirming his word? Uh, 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 God, one thing about God's confirmation is confirmations never cease. God to this day is still confirming my wife. Just because I met my wife and got married doesn't mean God stops confirming. And what I mean by I don't need confirmation from God to build my hope. It just the things of God just naturally keeps confirming. Sometimes there's some days I look at my wife and she says certain things and it just it just by default confirms that, wow, this woman really is for me. Not for me to gain information and be like, oh, I need so God. And sometimes confirmation has to continue to keep you connected. <laughs> There's going to be some times where you want to be upset with the very thing that you ask God for. And that confirmation continuously confirms so that you can keep a firm grip on it. God allows that constant confirmation so that I can keep a firm grip on my wife. So I can keep a firm grip on the things that God so I don't mess up in my ministry. So I can keep a firm grip, right? So how do you know God is confirming his word? When you constantly see the continuous confirmations that happens that reassures you or just by default shows you. So when it comes to certain seasons, you know it's winter by the temperature. You know it's fall when things begin to fall. You know it's spring when things are springing. You know when it's summer when stuff is no longer a bummer. <laughs> I'm just joking. trying to rhyme there. But there are certain elements within seasons that let you know that this is a new season coming. The same as with God. God will let you know and confirm to you your season. And how do you? How can you tell the reason for the season? First, you ask yourself, hey, am, am, what, what is happening around me? Is things the same or are things about to change? If things are about to change, am I in tune? I know my season is changing the more I know God. So this is something top of the dome to help. So how do you know God is confirming his word and things in, in a season? When you begin to see the signs of the season, the surplus of the season, the reason for the season, a lot of different things kind of uh, helps that. You're so welcome. Glad you got some gained some understanding. We have another question. Just, just, uh, just Zoe says, how do you know when God is telling you be still in the season or make a move in that season? Great question. One thing that I could tell you from my personal walk with God, um, oftentimes, um, if, 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 if God is not saying anything, I stay productive on the last thing. So how do you know when he's telling you to be still in the season? When there's no, when there's no new information, when you don't hear anything else, when you don't sense anything else, right? That's when you know just to be still. You, the Bible says, stand still and see the salvation, right? So the thing about certain seasons, there are certain seasons where you do nothing. There are certain seasons where you just continue to work on what he last told you. There are certain seasons where you just, just continue to sharpen your blade and sharpen your craft. You know when it's time to move when the nest is moving. Usually moving seasons when things get uncomfortable, when things are stretching you, when things are pulling you, when promotion comes. 
God is not going to leave you ignorant. You see what I'm saying? And, and the thing about being still is that stillness doesn't mean you do nothing. Stillness means you do what he last told you. Stillness means that I quiet my life. Stillness says that I separate my life from all the noises so that I can be in tune, right? So how do you know when God will tell you to be still? You know when he wants you to be still, when everything else becomes silent, when everything is becoming quiet, and he just wants you to do what he last told you, right? But it's hard to know these different things if you don't know God, right? Or make a move in that season. The leadership of the Holy Spirit is there. He will lead and guide you to all truth. The Holy Spirit will tell you when to move. The Holy Spirit will tell you when to be still. Because if I give you five or seven points about what to do when God is still, but you don't know the Holy Spirit for yourself, then you'll be taking my word for it, but not going to the word for it to see if the Holy Spirit wants you to move uh, forward. So I hope that helped. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit is key. Silent your life. Still your life. Infuse your life with Holy Spirit inspired productivity And then he will lead and guide you in all truth The unction of the Holy Spirit will, will, will guide you Great questions y'all Kung Fu Oh Kung Foodie Hey you a foodie I'm a foodie dude Coach you know of any good churches in the North Jersey area I'm curious been praying for them I'm not too sure brother I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with a lot of churches fam um, But the good thing is the Holy Spirit knows man and what I would do is, is keep reading your word, keep sharpening your craft, be led by the spirit of God to what ministries you need to be connected to and connect to and give to and support until the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm going to port you here at this fellowship. That's the best advice I can give you, fam. Uh, Lakeisha, what's going on, girl? How you doing? Oh, I can't see all your questions. All right. Lakeisha says, my sister is very toxic and, toxic and never admits to her wrongdoings, but always wants to hang out. When is it wise to remove myself from the relationship? Great question. Well, there's a difference between cutting the rope and lifting the rope, right? Family, you can't really cut the rope, right? But you can lift in the rope. You lift in the rope by saying you're no longer that close to me. Because when you got a tight rope and y'all close, when she moves, you tumble too. When she jerks, you jerk. But if you lift in the rope, you're still connected because if there's a little thing, a little tug tug, you'd be like, oh, something wrong with my sister. Your discernment will lead you to go take care of that, right? But if she's too close, every emotional swing, everything she tries to do is going to affect you mentally, emotionally, spiritually. There's nothing wrong with distancing yourself from individuals for your own peace. I, I partner based upon peace. And if you disrupt my peace family, I'm so sorry. I don't care who you is. If my peace, if you affected my peace, then we got a peace. Now, I don't mean I just, you know, disconnect. It just means I lifting because your toxicity is making me toxic. I'm alkaline over here, baby, but you got me over here being very acidic. And, 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 and that's why you got to get rid of it. Not her, but get rid of the, the level of closeness. We don't, the good thing about God is that he is very good at saving. God, Jesus is very good at what he does. I don't got to do God's work, right? Right? And so the thing is, is that uh, uh, when people like that are taught to admit their wrongs and then you keep doing good, it's not good to continue to do excessive good things for people that can't admit when they're wrong. Because now all of a sudden, now you're expending all levels of energy, expending all these different levels of, of, of heart, and then it's torn apart because that person ain't equal in part with you. So if she wants to hang out, 
just say, hey, the one thing that the one good excuse that I had was I was writing books all the time. <laughs> so when people want to hang out, oh, I'm, I'm y'all, you know, I'm writing. I'm in writing mode, writing mode, writing mode. <laughs> Purpose has a way of, of being a good excuse on why you don't have to hang out with people. Hope to help. Uh, or uh, Please, Miss Blout, please forgive me if I said your name wrong. Uh, what are your thoughts on when you meet a nice guy but feel absolutely no sexual attraction? Help. What are your thoughts on when you meet a nice guy? Listen, um, you got to examine your heart. And I'll start here. Um, listen, God, the one God has for you going to be fully attracted to. You, you're going to be fully attracted to. But you have to make sure you have the right type of mindset when it comes to attraction, right? So, but that doesn't mean what I don't want to do and what I want to make sure I dispel is that God's going to be like, well, this is the best I have. So you have to marry Keith. <laughs> it's the best I have. So here you have to marry her. No, 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 no. God is very creative. God is the creator of beauty and he created the image by which the beauty is beheld. So God doesn't just only make beauty, which means I'm not going to be handsome to everybody. That's okay. I don't have to be handsome to everyone because I don't have I don't have too much to hand some. I don't have that much to hand to people. I, only, I got enough to hand something to my wife, but I don't got to be handsome to everybody. Right. You don't have to be beautiful to everybody. All it takes is two people being beautiful for two people being handsome for. I am uh, I am fearfully and wonderful made. Therefore, I'm beautiful to God and I'm beautiful to the one that God has for me. Right. So even though. Uh, 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 I don't want you to think that, well, he's a nice guy and I've been single for seven years. So then I settle because if you settle for a guy that you're not physically attracted to, then when it comes down to the get down, you ain't want to get down. God doesn't mind. God makes you sexually attracted to people. He created sex. He created all the sexual points, the sexual pleasures, the sexual engagement. He created all that. And so just because he's a nice guy or a nice gal, don't fall into the sympathy role of, well, you know, I'm tired of being single and I guess I'll just stick with him because he whatever. Now, that's not what you do. But also you have to understand that the initial attraction is also important. The first thing that we are mostly attracted to a person is the physical attraction. So the physical attraction is, uh, is important, but it's not the most important because the outside will wane. So the physical attraction may be the thing that gets you to meet him, right? And, and But it may not, be, it won't be enough to sustain. So all what I'm trying to say is that there are multiple levels of attraction. Now, when it comes to sexual attraction, you have to say, okay, why am I, is that the, is, have I already marked the other attractions? Because if, if there's a sexual attraction, you got to make sure your heart is not too sexual. That you're just not looking well because because you will know the, the body knows what it likes. You know, you know what you like. But but what I don't want you to fall into is thinking that because he's a nice guy, I'm just going to fall for him. Blase, blase. God will give you someone that you're holistically attracted to even in that category. So what are your thoughts on when you meet a nice guy but feel absolutely no sexual attraction? Hey, you don't got to do nothing. Because I promise you, the one God has for you, you're going to want it. Hope to help. So you don't got to hang out with him and you would do him a disservice. You would do him a disservice if you entertain him and you know you're not wholly attracted to him. So it's best to cut him off and embrace the reason for your season and enjoy your singleness. Then to force something to try to make you feel something for him. Because when you meet someone, all of that's going to be there. Right. 
But if you try to make yourself feel that way now, because the one who loves the least controls the relationship, now you're going to hurt his feelings. And then you're going to be married in two years or two days into your marriage, looking at the wall and he and he's on he's on the back of you. And you look at the wall talking about you regret that you married because there's no spark. So you have to trust that God has uh, is, is sovereign in all the parts of attraction. Got time for maybe two or three more and I'm out your way. Ella Dean, Ella, Ella, Elena, my positive, if I said your name wrong, how to focus on growth in singleness and not have distractive thoughts about my ex who happens to be in my friend group slash church youth group. Great question. Let's start with the first one. How to focus on growth in singleness. First off, you have to understand that singleness is a gift. You can't grow unless you have the right perspective of the thing that you're in. There's a reason for that season. Singleness is not a stepchild to marriage. Singleness is not just the old, oh, the, the non-cool kids club. Singleness, when you're by yourself, there's, there's, there's levels to this. Singleness gives you an opportunity to, to, to discover God, to develop a relationship with God, to better understand yourself, and to grow in wealth, right? right? That's why when you're in your 20s or your teenagers, get into stealth mode. Because stealth mode leads to health mode. Health mode leads to wealth mode. You don't have to be seen. So how do you focus on growth for your singleness? And look at the areas you need to grow. Also write on the list on the things that you want in life. Uh, are you What type of marriage do you want? What type of man do you want? What type of uh, 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 life do you want to live? And then look at your life and say, what areas in my life does not match the caliber of life that I want to live? And then you will see the immense value of your singleness. I talked about in a video I did on YouTube how people have a poor view of what they're even asking God for. So people are asking God for a marriage, but they don't fully understand what comes with a marriage. People are asking God uh, for for positions, but they don't know the burdens. Blessings are burdensome. And if you're not built for it, that blessing will break you. Blessings are heavy and you have to be built to meet the weight of the blessing that you desire. So there will be balance. Right. So that's how you look. OK, how can I level up and distract yourself in your single with your purpose? And you said, and not have distractive, destructive, distractive thoughts about my ex who happens to be in my friend group, church group. And <clears throat> that can be difficult. Navigating life with some with a previous love of your life. But the best way to overcome your ex is to stay focused on your next. And if your ex don't match your next, it's easy to get over ex when you when they don't match. So distractive thoughts is examining the ties, examining the connection you have with them. Start renouncing some of those demonic, maybe potentially demonic oppressive ties that comes from um, whatever experiences. So if you if there was any type of physical interaction with them, repent, confess that sin to God, renounce that whatever uh, demonic activity that's trying to attach itself through that level of association and then move forward. If you go to my website right now at IamUnplugged.com, I got a book or you go to Amazon, type in Joshua as and I have a book there called The Purpose of uh, Freedom. It's a book on soul ties and strongholds. It will help you change the way you see things that you may have been previously tied to. And then what you do is, is uh, which, to help you with the practical, the nuance of the relationship is to see him with the eyes of God, not the eyes of yours. And walk in love towards him, which is difficult. But the best way to overcome your ex is get on a sheet of paper and, and write down why he why he cannot go to your next. 
The best way to overcome an ex is to write down the reasons why they are not able to go to what your next is. But you can't do that until you have a clear view of what you want to happen for your life next. Because if you have, if you, if you write down what you want to have next, and then you take time exiting it out by accomplishing those different things, you will forget your ex. Even if you have to see them every day, because you're going to be constantly reminded of things you got to do right now. And also you got to be, you will be reminded even in a sheet of a paper or on your phone notes right down. You can remind yourself while he's over there talking to, talking to, uh, 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 Jessica. You know, talking to Jessica, you can go look at your phone when you find your feelings get a certain kind of way and find the facts. Facts must always precede feelings. Facts must always be over feelings because when you have feelings, but you don't have no written down facts to remind you to cause your feelings subside, then you will override and overthink and find yourself immersed in these old feelings. Hope they help. Uh, Rachel also says, oh, I meet Christian men often, but literally am so Ambi, girl, you SAT word right there. <laughs> Ambient, girl, that's a that's a big word now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that girl, okay, educated, but literally, am so oblivion. Is that oblivion? I think it's oblivion, and that's fine. God wants you blinded right now. God don't even want you thinking about nobody else. Uh, response couldn't be shared. Try again. Okay, my bad. My bad. What's going on? Let's see. Did they already delete it? I'll read it right here. What can someone do when they're in the midst of temptation but not able to see a way out? The Bible says, with every temptation, it makes a way of escape. With every temptation, it makes a way of escape. The issue is we go too deep into the temptation. The best way not to fall into a temptation is to never enter a temptation. And the best way to never enter a temptation is to recognize a temptation. The best way to recognize a temptation is to understand you. <laughs> the Bible says uh, when no one can say when they're tempted, they're tempted of God for God can't tempt no one of evil. But everyone is drawn away and enticed by their own lust. So what it is, is that the best way to know what's a temptation is know what's tailored to me because there's temptations that's tailored to you, right? And if you want you to know the temptation that's tailored to you, then you'll say, I got to develop walls and structures and an understanding of God and understanding of Holy Spirit guidance that will keep me from falling into temptation. But the issue is temptation is a door. And when someone walks through the door of temptation, the way of escape is immediately behind them. But oftentimes, many people walk uh, yards into the temptation. And then when they walk deep into the room of temptation, the room is filled with all these different people. So now the exit is like, can I see the exit? There's people, it's too much all in the way, keeping you from getting through the temptation to the exit. So the best thing is to not enter it. Now, if you're already into a temptation and you're deep into the temptation, now you got to say, okay, God, help me see my heart. You Because whatever's in your heart, you better say, oh, that's why. The reason why people go deep into temptation because they have yet to take a look at the root reason why they are more prevalent when being tempted. So now you got to go all yet. You and the Holy Spirit got to go in the elevator of your heart and go all the way down to the basement. And the Holy Spirit is going to show you the reason why you are so susceptible to falling for the temptation. The reason why you go deep into these temptations is because you haven't dealt with that abandonment issue. You haven't dealt with that rejection issue. You haven't forgiven your mom and dad. You haven't done this. And the issue is we have taught so many people to treat the symptoms of our issues 
the issues we can see versus asking the Holy Spirit to show us the root issues we can't see. So what can someone do when they're in the midst of temptation? First off, uh, um, take a deep breath. Look around. Ask yourself, what are the consequences if I entertain this? Sometimes you got to get a sheet of paper. What I had to do was I had a 24-hour membership and I had Walmart. When temptations got uh, thick in the middle of the night, what I did was went right to Walmart. Went somewhere to 24 hours. That was one of my systems, right? The ultimate system of mine was, was productivity. That I was so productive in writing and getting my purpose done that I was too tired to be tempted. You got to fall asleep before the tempter comes. <laughs> you you got to be so busy, so not busy, you got to be so productive that when the, temp, the tempter starts knocking on your door, you're snoring. But I can't give you these systems because they may have worked for me. So I would go to the gym 2 o'clock in the morning, right, when I was single, right? Or I would be up writing my book. So, But when you're in a military, you got to say, okay, what, conceit, what got me into this? What is contributing to this? And what is deep inside of me that I have yet to repent of? Because if there's no repentance, there's no mind renewal. And if there's no mind renewal, there's no redemption of time. And there was no redemption of time. There's no received purpose in certain areas. Hope they help. Man, that was a lot of layers to that. Lady MO2006 says, are some people meant to be single forever? Yeah, there's some people that just have the gift of singleness, that their heart is to serve God. And, and there's some people out there that's just not going to be married. Now, if you're a person that desires to be married, but feel discouraged because you're not married yet, then you just got to ask yourself, am I, am I as prepared for it as I should be? But there are some people that are going to be single forever. But there are some people that's going to naturally be single who had a desire for marriage because they never um, positioned themselves for marriage. You got to ask yourself, do I match what I'm asking for? Do I, do, am I of the level of the level thing that I desire? If you want a man who's this whatever, and, and but you don't have nothing to offer that man, or if you want a woman that has this, but you don't have nothing to offer that woman, then you're going to be single forever, especially for the caliber of women that you want, a caliber of man you want. So I tell people all the time, you have to, before you latch, ask if you match. Before you ask, ask if you match. And so some people are going to be single, even though they have the deep desires of marriage, is because they're not willing to improve themselves and prove themselves ready for that next person. A lot of ladies want a man that's 6'5", big and strong, but don't know how to make grits. <coughs> don't know how to make whatever. And I ain't trying to say women are supposed to cook everything all the time. But what I'm saying is, like, you got to ask, okay, what comes with a 6'5 man? What comes with a 5'11 man? Whatever way, man, you want, what comes with that kind of man? Look at a woman, fellas. What comes with a woman of God? You can't be a devil and expect to be married to a woman of God. It don't work. You can't expect to have a, a peaceful, loving wife if you a lustful man. So if you want a woman of God, you got to be a man of God. If you want a healthy man, you got to be a healthy woman. If you want these different things, you got to match. And some people, unfortunately, ain't going to never get the message and think that God is going to deliver their husband like Amazon. And God said, man, your husband is an Amazon, but you want me to deliver like Amazon. And God's like, man, you ain't, you ain't really worked on A to Z. You ain't got everything from A to Z ready for the man you want. And you want me to deliver something. A whole lot of food and love. Yeah, that man want a whole lot of food and love. Fit love too. Oh, I think I already answered that question. Okay. Maybe two more and then I'm going to go. Uh, Queen. Queen of all says, does not being a virgin make the emotional bond to a spouse less deep or make them insecure? No. Um, uh, uh, any man or any woman that be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away and behold, all things become new. Right? 
And so what you have to understand is, is that it doesn't matter. God doesn't give people who made a mistake second class. Why would God give you a second chance but give you second class? Ooh. Why would you want to why would you want to serve of God or God of second chances, but he gives you second class? If God gives you second chance, he's not going to give you second class. He's going to give you first class. So it doesn't matter what your mistake was previously. I don't care if you slept with 20 guys. God can heal you from that. God can redeem you and remake you new as if you never done it. And so that when you do walk into a marriage, you will walk into the marriage with no carriage. No baggage in the carriage. You can walk in there with an empty carriage and y'all can really build y'all marriage together. Now the question is, people who do do those certain things, they have to understand that healing may take longer. You can't go from a whole life to a wife life in a day. There's certain things that has to be pruned out of you. There's certain things that has to be renewed in you, right? And you, if people are big enough to make the decisions, they have to be ready for the process that comes with that kind of decision making. What level of healing? If I sprain my ankle, the healing time may be two weeks. If I break my ankle, the, the, the healing time may take months. The deeper the wound, the longer the wait, the longer the healing process. That's why for all those who are putting the sound of my voice, don't do those kind of things and get yourself emotionally tied because the devil always advertises through his world system the joy of the thing, but not the junk that comes with that thing. So all of a sudden you're enjoying it for a moment, but you got junk for a life. But God is good. God is bigger. God can redeem the time, but God can only redeem the time at the level of your mind being renewed. So if you uh, aggressively embrace things of God, repent and renounce your sins, and you embrace the renewal process, the healing time can be quicker. The redeem, the redemption of the time can be quicker because you allow your mind to be renewed, right? So you don't have to, God, just because you're not a virgin, doesn't mean God going to give you second class. A God of a second chance would never give uh, the one he gave a second chance second class things or something off the clearance rack. Or oh, this is the best I gave you because you was a hoe for five, five years of your life. I'm going to give you Tyrone and he crazy, but he, but he saved. <laughs> That's not being a virgin make the emotional bond. Now, not being a virgin and holding on to that emotional baggage, yeah, it's going to be tragic. But if you give it over to God, God heal it, redeem it. You'll be you'll be clean. You'll be as if you never had that life. And your husband won't even feel the effects of that. Your wife, fellas, won't even feel the effects of that. What else we got? Uh, Queenie says, advice for falling into repetitive sin. Not sexually active, but self-pleasure sneaks up once a month. Uh, well, to answer that question real quick, I think this will be my last and I got to go. Advice. Oh, I don't have, how long have I been going? 20 minutes? All right. Advice for falling into repetitive sin. First off, um, the way to defeat the repeat is, is to be at God's feet and really ask him to reveal what's deep inside of your heart, right? Things repeat itself because of the roots. If it's repetitive, then there's a root system. The root system is, is uh, abandonment, abuse, rejection, all that kind of stuff, right? And people got to be very careful with on-demand pleasure. When you, when you are at peace with where God has you and God becomes your pleasure, then there will be no need to seek for pleasure. That's why for me, I have this model. It's hard for me to be impressed by people when I'm in a relationship with a God that I'm in awe of. When I'm in awe of God, it's hard. It's, 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 uh, people do impressive things, but I'm not that impressed because my God is God who keeps me in a state of awe. 
So I don't seek for unnecessary excessive pleasure because God is my pleasure, right? Which then causes those areas of your life to become dormant. But if you keep activating those areas, those areas are going to keep asking. You activate it, it's going to keep asking for, for more uh, attention. But if you cause those things to be dormant because you're distracted by destiny, you're distracted by the divine, those areas become dormant because God ain't going to take that desire. God created sexual desire. But those certain desires must be dormant in certain seasons. So you got to get to the roots. Why am I doing this? Is it because of, of abandonment, abuse, molestation? Was it because I was touched when I was a kid? What was it? And then the Holy Spirit would then lead you to forgive those individuals that played a part. Then he would cause you to renounce those certain sins and confess those sins and renounce them. Renounce the demonic uh, ties to them. And then move from that place to a place of productivity into your purpose. And then so gather around you accountability that will help guard you, that will check up on you and ask you those tough questions. But you have to, you have to cause those areas to be dormant or those things will continue to be asking. Hope to help. I love you. I got to go. It's uh, 1030, so I'm going to get off. Uh, great questions, y'all. I'm going to go ahead and screenshot these questions so I can, so I can re remember what they were. I uh, hope they don't cut it off. All right. No, it didn't. Great questions, y'all. Check out the link in my bio for books, card games, ways to support, all that good stuff. Um, I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Um, check out my YouTube channel. Links in the description box below. Uh, links in the bio of my Instagram page. Those watching on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. Those listening to my podcast, thank you so much for listening. Hope y'all was blessed. Website, IamUnplugged.com. Uh, enjoy all those resources there. And I appreciate all y'all who support. Y'all are very generous people. I appreciate y'all's support and helping me uh, um, um, advance in the areas that God wants me to advance his kingdom in. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.